we strive. And you think, don't you deserve something? But you don't. I am here to help change the fitness industry. So I basically lived in a cave for 60 days. Over 420 pounds to the lightest I got was 209. Bill McCullough, Vice President of Creative for uh, the NFL. Entrepreneurs are selfish at the best of times. How far can my talent take me? Prepare to be inspired. Five, Five four, four, three, three two, one, zero. So this week I interviewed Paul Jen, who has created this amazing platform, Filmocracy. So Filmocracy allows viewers to watch and rate thousands of movies, all while allowing filmmakers who have much lower budgets to finally be able to break through and compete at a higher level. Without a billion dollar budget, it can be very difficult for filmmakers to get noticed and get paid, and Filmocracy is solving that. Listen throughout this whole episode to hear how Paul created the company, where they are now, and where they're going. My name is Paul, and I'm the CEO, co-founder of Filmocracy. Boom. So you're definitely deep into the entrepreneurship world right now. What made you want to become an entrepreneur? Uh, So my dad has been an entrepreneur my whole life and his business was flipping businesses. So he would buy struggling businesses and then make them better and then sell them. So basically like the profit, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Except uh, he was actually doing a lot of like the he's, manual he's work. actually doing it yeah, yeah he's the one doing it so all like, the risk was on him but... you mean like the physical labor like rebuilding it physically or like doing the uh it's the... more business management than but we'll also some construction too obviously gotcha, but yeah it's not like they were run down businesses they <laughs> yeah were just, like ghetto like yeah. yeah they're just struggling so yeah. over the course of my life he had over 20 different businesses and i was always exposed to random things like a car wash a jewelry store yeah. an ice cream store that one was the best Nice. Yeah, there you go. That, so, yeah. That's so cool. It sounds like a dream for entrepreneurs to... Because I feel like with entrepreneurship, you're constantly getting bored and wanting like a new venture. And so I feel... I mean, not constantly getting bored, but like you always want to like be doing something else or something new. And being able to create a business and then fix one up and then fix one up and then fix one up. And like, yeah. that's so cool. I think it might be a little bit addictive yeah. for my dad. Because he he retired like not only like maybe less than a year ago and he's already itching like oh I shouldn't I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be sitting at home. That's funny, man. Yeah, that's a cool gig, man. Um, so tell us a little bit about your work history, like where I mean, not like you know, I mean, I worked at Dairy Queen in high school, like we don't need to touch on those kind of things. <laughs> but I mean, like your work history that applies to what you're doing right now, I guess. Uh, well, okay, I won't go that far back, but yeah. after college, I was actually in the Air Force. Oh, very so. cool. I was an intelligence officer for a few years, um, and during that time, uh, it wasn't that busy, so I had some time, some free time, and whenever I have free time, I just think of ideas, and I had this crazy idea to do a uh, kind of like rate my professor type site, Mm. but for military officers. Oh, very cool. Because the rating system in the military is pretty broken, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but obviously that didn't go over well with some of my commanders. Yeah, I was going to say that might be like the worst thing you could do. Yeah, it's probably one of the worst yeah. things I could have done. Yeah. Uh, but it also showed me like there's no room for this sort of creativity or yeah. um, forward thinking. Yeah. Like they really just want you to like sit in your box and do what you're told. So uh, I eventually got out and went to business school and then I was going to work for Honda and then I realized, why would I work for a Honda? <laughs> because I don't really care about cars. Yeah. Um, so then I was at another career fair and saw some booth with some movie posters. And I was like, I watch movies. 
so I'll do that. So yeah. I interned with this small production company called Covert Media. Uh, before that, they were called QED International, and they did movies like District 9. Oh, I love um, that movie. Really good movie, Okay, right? very cool. Um, and so I, I did international sales with them for a few years and also started doing acquisitions where I would go to smaller film festivals and watch a lot of these independent, smaller budget films. And a lot of the time they were really good. Uh, and so I would take them back to my boss and I'd be like, hey, like there's this movie, I think it's really good, we should take it on for sales. Mm. And every single time he was like, nope, we can't do it. Yeah. Who's in it? No one? Okay, nope, we can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Because the the stars behind movies and the size of the budgets really drive the sales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I was always thinking like, how do I, how do I get people to care about these movies? Mm -hmm. Because really it's only the people who go to festivals who watch these movies. Yeah. And once they leave the festival, they don't really watch them anymore because mm -hmm. like it's a different experience being at a film festival and watching something. Yeah. Um, so that's how I came up with the idea for filmocracy. We'll touch on filmocracy in a sec, but I saw that you were, you created Kingdom Carts too. What, 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 what is that? Uh, if you've ever been to Japan, there was this business there where you could dress up like Mario characters okay. and drive go-karts around Tokyo. That's so cool. Um, it was pretty big on social media like a few years ago, yeah. but I went there and I was so excited to try it and I did it and it was as amazing as I thought it would yeah. be uh, because you go and they have like tons of costumes for you to choose from you're there with your friends and you're actually driving go-karts on yeah. the streets in Tokyo did they is, just like block them off for no what it was really like dangerous through traffic yeah <laughs> wait it what was really like you're driving next to a semi truck you're like I could die right now what sounds <laughs> and that was a legitimate business yeah they had like multiple locations what that's insane in that would never be allowed no <laughs> I, well that's what happened is yeah. I, I wanted to do it here but obviously you can't do things that aren't licensed to be on the road so I found a little bit of a workaround and found mm. uh, electric golf carts that were they looked like miniature cars yeah um, <clears throat> and so we did it with those what um, and I set up this event and we had a bunch of people come out over the weekend dressing up wait wait, wait hold on when was the event was it last year? Maybe late last year or no, early last, no, 2017. Late w 2017. Were you the only person doing that in LA? Yeah. <laughs> wait, what did you, wait, okay. Wait, because last year I saw an ad about racing go-karts dressed up as Mario and people like that. And I reached out to my buddies saying we should totally do it here in LA. That was you? Maybe. Yeah. What? Because the only other alternative is someone is trying to open like an actual yeah. racing arena, which is different from what I was doing. We were just driving around LA. That was you? I should go back in my group text. I, I, I literally was I was like, you guys need to fly down for this. We almost bought tickets. Like Yeah, it's so what? like Instagram, like social media worthy. Right? Yeah. It's it's pretty fun. That's insane. What? Okay, very cool. Um, I'm going to look more into that in a sec because I definitely, uh, or when we're done, because I definitely think that might have been you that I was <laughs> that yeah. was running that. Well, the reason that we stopped doing it was because it was just so labor intensive and stressful because yeah. you're like driving around and you're worried about all the people behind you who are yeah. like following you and you get cut off by stoplights 
That's you know, people, so crazy. People, some people are like slowing down around you and like kind of watching you because yeah. it's so interesting. But then other people are just trying to get to work and like speeding around you, and it's really scary. Yeah, that's that's extremely dangerous, especially in LA. Like maybe like in a small city, that'd be one thing. But like, yeah, I couldn't imagine. That's so that's such a liability for you for you guys too. Oh my god, huge liability. Yeah, do you guys have insurance on that? Or? We did. Yeah, I don't know if it was Probably good enough, enough insurance. Yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. But that's a sounds like a nightmare. But if you were to succeed with that, is it the coolest thing ever? That'd be so yeah. cool. Um, so tell us about filmocracy. Tell us about, and I'll get a little clip for the Instagram here. So tell us a little bit about filmocracy. I you know I have some buddies that are, um, you know, they're they're uh, startup filmmakers. They're trying to make it. You know, they have don't have a budget, obviously, yeah. or like a big budget. So like. What does Filmocracy do, and what are you guys trying to accomplish with your platform? Right, so <clears throat> there are tons of filmmakers like your friends, independent filmmakers, student filmmakers, uh, and today it's so easy to make a film, right? Like you, you're recording me with your phone. You can shoot movies on your phone. I should now. put this on the website. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there was a movie that went to Sundance that was shot on an iPhone 5S. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you have all these. Like, there's way more filmmakers now, way more people making films, um, trying to be filmmakers, but the distribution side is still near impossible. Yeah, it's um, kind of unorganized or... Well, it's not. It's just... Or does the, it exist? The way to get a distribution deal is you have to go to a festival, like Sundance mm -hmm. or South by Southwest. Gotcha. There are thousands of film festivals, but only yeah. those two, maybe a few more, actually will get you a deal. Yeah. Um, so you try to get in, you try to get in, like, this is how Quentin Tarantino got into film, right? He got his film into Sundance. But in 1991, when Reservoir Dogs went to Sundance, there was only 250 submissions to Sundance. Okay. And this year, 2019, there was over 14,000 submissions. That's crazy. So how can you expect, even if you have a great film, yeah. to get in? Yeah. And then even getting in today doesn't mean you're going to get a deal because, you know, Viewing has changed where people only go to the theater if it's like a zeitgeisty movie. Like the biggest, like, uh -huh. yeah, like Avengers Or like a Marvel, kind of yeah. big tentpole type mm. superhero movie. So studios themselves are not acquiring as many smaller independent films from film festivals. Mm -hmm. So you have this huge amount of films that just don't get released every year. You yeah. don't even hear about them because those people don't have any marketing dollars behind them. So in order to solve this problem, we built a gamified streaming platform that rewards people for discovering films. Mm. So if you decide to take a chance on the platform to watch something that doesn't have a rating yet on the platform, and you rate it, and other people rate it, and your rating matches other people's ratings, then we give you virtual currency which you can use for redeeming gift cards or movie tickets or exchanging for cash. We're giving essentially 10% of our revenue to people for watching stuff. And, and do you think this is more targeted towards uh, movie buffs or do you think this is a platform eventually that everyone will, kind of like a Rotten Tomatoes kind yeah. of thing? I think initially our target is definitely people who go to film festivals or yeah. film buffs um, or somehow related to the film industry. Yeah. That's a pretty big pool of people already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but once we have enough of those people, then ten percent of our revenue is very big. Mm -hmm. You know, so then why not, you know, do this instead of watching Netflix? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's excuse me, it's not just the trailers of the movies; it's the entire movie that you yeah. get to watch. Oh, very cool. Yeah. 
And so it will, it will finish what you're um, describing in a sec, but do you have competition with Netflix where are you eventually going to become like a, a Netflix for um, like a independent film? low independent films in a way? Uh, I think to compete with Netflix will probably take eight to 10 years mm-hmm. unless we get some huge influx of capital. Yeah. Uh, but the idea here, like obviously our business model is not, you know, we're not trying to, to make a whole bunch of money and exit. It's, you know, we give 50% of our revenue to the filmmakers, mm-hmm. we give 10% to the users, and we keep 40% for operation. So it's not like yeah. a huge money-making operation for us. It's about helping all these people who have movies, like, pour their hearts and souls into mm-hmm. these movies and don't have anything to do with them, so they just yeah. usually put them on YouTube and then nothing happens. Exactly, yeah. So, and, wait, and do you make your money from in-app ads, or how do you guys make your money? Yeah, so we're uh, getting some advertising revenue, but also subscription revenue from gotcha. premium users. And so what, do, what does a premium user get? So premium users will have like unlimited access to content, no ads. Um, there's a lot more features involved in our site than a regular streaming site. Mm-hmm. Like if you go on Netflix and you scroll around, it's just you're just looking at posters, right? Yeah. But for us, like we have little... Like a lot of different mini games where mm. you can, you know, watch movies, rate movies, you earn currency. There's a leaderboard that tracks your progress compared to everyone else. Um, there's like a virtual shop. So like the whole experience mm-hmm. is what we're trying to change about streaming. And I can see that blowing up, man. I can see because one thing people love is being like the first to something or like an early adopter or something. And so I can see you guys getting a ton of people just watching all the movies that go on there just so they can be like, I saw that before it was even big and yeah. like I was the first to review it and my review was matched with everyone else and I got a movie ticket for it and then I used that for the movie when it was produced. <laughs> like I can see that. I get that. That's so cool, man. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that eventually, as, as long as everything goes well for you guys, I think that can be a huge platform eventually. Um so you guys just did a Kickstarter campaign. How did how did everything go? What was, what was your strategy to approach that? Yeah, I mean, there's two ways you can go about Kickstarter. Really, it's either your like a product that people really want to pre-purchase, like a luggage or a mm-hmm. jacket or a wallet or something. Um, and on the other side, you are a creative project that other people are just motivated to help you with. Yeah, and we're kind of in between, where we can pre-sell our project but we're also a bit of like a passion Mm -hmm. enterprise. So, you know, it was a bit difficult, to be honest, because Kickstarter, you know, you think you can just upload a project and the people will come. Exactly. It's it's little, I don't know whose campaigns that happens for, but that's not how it works. Yeah. At least not anymore, because like the moment you upload, there are like a hundred more projects that pushed your project down Mm -hmm. immediately. So you really have to bring your own audience first. And then Kickstarter recognizes that and yeah. kind of boosts your visibility, and then that helps. I actually found a, I just remember this. I, I found a way to rig Kickstarter and Indiegogo on getting featured, <laughs> and I I, uh, I did that for Indiegogo um, a couple of years ago when I did one. But no, I remember when I did Kickstarter, um, we were doing pretty well. It was like apps apps don't really get funded on Kickstarter, yeah. but um, the the month we launched our app, another app launched, and that app ended up being the most successfully funded app on kickstarter ever and it was at the same time we were going so i was like yeah. a freaking course it's the same yeah they raised like almost 400k and i'm just like That's come crazy. on dude uh, but no there's a way to rig it i don't know if they, they probably canceled it where what i realized was um 
every time you would share your Indiegogo post to Facebook, if you would say like this, this push share to Facebook, I would move a little bit up in the rankings. And so <laughs> one day I spent, I would share it, I shared it to Facebook 400 times and I would delete the post every time I went to Facebook. Yeah. And I swear to you, I was on the Indiegogo homepage featured for that day by just wow. sharing my Facebook. And I, it, and I don't, I don't remember how I figured it out. I didn't see any articles on it. I just was like, I wonder if it has to do with sharing. And I literally, well, like, if you typed in Indiegogo.com, I was the like one of the first people to pop up on there <laughs> for like a week straight. Out of all these campaigns raising millions, I had, like, I had like 4,000 raids and I was right there. So there's little tiny ways you can rig their <laughs> system, I realized. Um, it was weird they didn't have like an IP block on that. Like they didn't, like they couldn't say like, Oh, this is the same computer doing it, obviously. The same Facebook, obviously. Yeah. Well, so. we, we've got a follow-on Indiegogo campaign because they do that where if you finish Kickstarter, they yeah. will transfer your campaign to Indiegogo to mm. like continue raising. Do so that, dude. I'm telling you. I'm going to try. I'm <laughs> no, gonna try. We'll literally do it. Sharing. That's what I'm going to do the rest of the day. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> is Indiegogo live right now? Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so, I, again, again, this was this was two years ago, but I haven't seen the article since, but literally just share to Facebook and delete your share and then do it again. Yeah, I'll report back and you can write it in the comments <laughs> yeah. of the episode. Yeah, what there we go. You guys blow up. I got you. Um, so yeah, so you guys raised, how much did you guys raise? 50000 Was that like around what you were trying to raise? Yeah. Or, okay, very cool, very cool. Yeah, I definitely have never hit my goal on the, well, I didn't hit my goal. It was like two years ago, but on the Indiegogo or the Kickstarter. Um, so you guys, yeah, you guys have a much more, um, a much more like, uh, like, I can see people rallying around what you're creating. So, and yeah. I, I think Kickstarter has an audience for that too. So um, hopefully the Indigo goes well too. So what's your competition right now? Like is there – like is Rotten Tomatoes your competition? We touched on Netflix for a second. I mean do you guys have someone else doing this too or – Nobody's really doing it this way. Um, everyone's competing with content. You know, yeah. I've got this exclusive show. Come subscribe to HBO. But I mean, everyone's gonna cancel HBO once Game of Thrones is over, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, if you're competing on yeah, content, yeah, they're like, oh god, what yeah. are you gonna do? Like, you're not gonna out content Netflix, yeah, because they're spending just way too much money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're really competing based on features and experience and community. Yeah, and there's no one that really does that. Um, but there's tons of streaming platforms. So, mm-hmm. you know, actually, <clears throat> actually, the two closest content-wise uh, were Fandor and Filmstruck. Okay. But those two actually went out of business late last year. Nice. Um, Do you think that's a good sign for you or a bad, a bad uh, sign? I mean, some people would look at it as a bad sign, but I think like the reason that they closed down was because they felt like, because Filmstruck was owned by Warner Media. Gotcha. And Warner felt like they were capped at how many people would subscribe to this. Gotcha. So they're remaking their streaming to have like all their stuff. Okay, So that's gotcha. why they're taking... Uh, a lot more stuff away from Netflix and stuff like that but um, them going out of business I don't think that's a bad omen for us because Mm -hmm. you know they're competing against Netflix which also has some great independent films on there so how are you gonna convince someone to come to you instead yeah Uh, you have to be different are you guys kind of like a funnel league, kind of like a G League for the NBA, like where you think like your independent films might be bought by Netflix at some point, or how do you guys see yourself like that? Yeah, I I actually do see ourselves as kind of a bridge. Yeah. You know, we want to give at the most you know basic level all these films that people who don't know anyone in Hollywood, people who don't know what to do, but have made this film, like what's the next step? Mm-hmm. 
and usually the next step is blocked from you. Yeah. Uh, so if we can serve as like exposure to get these smaller films a bigger deal, yeah. Oh, I'm happy for that. Yeah, that's so. And uh, well, two things. One, yeah, I I, I can totally see that, and I've seen that with my my friends where they spend like years like creating this film and doing all these things, and then it's it's done, and then they're kind of just like I I literally have done everything I don't know where to go next kind of a thing yeah um, so do you guys see an eventual potential buyout with Netflix I I feel torn about this yeah uh, because anytime you become a part of like a larger corporation you get bought out or something then the mm. product will change you'll yeah. get diluted yeah. it's very Seldom that they don't, you know. So this is a passion thing on. for you. I mean, yeah. obviously money too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like <clears throat> it. It has to be sustainable. Yeah. And whenever there's shareholders involved, you get people who are like, you know, cut the experience, cut the benefits, yeah. you know, raise our share values, and that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. Um. So do you do you have an end game in mind for filmocracy? Like, do you do you do you see yourself going in other avenues, or are you kind of focusing on this for a few years and growing it? Or yeah, definitely focused on filmocracy. I think there's a lot that we can do. Um, one more thing that we're trying to do that we're not launching with is adding an equity crowdfunding side of it, mm -hmm. so that instead of raising money on Kickstarter... Oh, people can fund their own movies? Right. What? Because right. you're kind of capped on Kickstarter Indiegogo when you're raising for films because mm. people are just donating to you. Yeah, right? exactly. But if you say, like, you're going to back the project on Filmocracy, yeah. you're going to raise the money, you'll go make the film, you keep all of the other rights except for streaming. Streaming comes to Filmocracy. Mm -hmm. We generate revenue, and it gets distributed automatically to all the people who that invested. That is a very good idea. I like that. No, and especially like you know a filmmaker. I mean, especially if, if the filmmaker could show projections on like how much they think the movie's gonna do, how much you're gonna get in return, and like maybe you'll get like I don't know, like a a, a DVD of it or something like that. I don't yeah. Know. So that's that's very cool. Um, so how did you raise funding initially for Filmocracy? Through working for 10 years. Okay. <laughs> from, <laughs> from which companies that you were working at? Like uh, Just like over the course of my life, working in the Air Force, all the random jobs through college. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really spend that much money. Like I don't collect anything. Or I'm the same way. The yeah. thing I really spend the most money on is traveling. Okay. Uh, but while I was working at my last company, they paid for all my travel. So sick. Uh, but yeah, I, it's not like I was making tons of money at my previous jobs. It's really like scraping together all my savings and mm -hmm. maxing out my credit cards. Yeah, <laughs> you know, my credit cards are on the same boat right now. Um, so, <clears throat> how do you plan on raising more funding at this point? Do you guys think you're, you guys think the fifty k is going to help you get the platform launched, and then you should be self sustaining, or where are you guys sitting with that? That's the dream, uh, but we're also yeah. applying to a lot of tech accelerators um, that usually give you a small boost in funding in exchange for a little bit of equity. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we can get into something like that. Yeah, I'll send you over to Expert Dojo. Actually, one of the well, we'll talk about that after this. Um, they're here locally in Santa Monica. Uh, so when when do you guys think you're gonna launch? Uh, summer of this year. Uh, okay. Because yeah, the beta was already built. We have beta testers using it and trying to break it. Nice. Um, and so June, July ish, is the okay. time frame. So I'm thinking of so many questions as I ask questions. Um, <laughs> so who or do you have? Do you have content already on there or? Yes. 
Yes, that's the good thing about us is like normally if you're trying to start a streaming site, you've got to pay a lot of money for content. Yeah. Like even for smaller stuff, you're paying like a hundred grand, fifty、mm-hmm. grand per title. Yeah. And you need hundreds. Yeah.、Um, so, we're targeting the films that are either at the end of their life cycle or just have never gotten anywhere.、Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're bad. It's really because they just haven't had any marketing behind them. Yeah. Um, and so our platform is uniquely prepared to like push them through our features, like through the gamified experience,、yeah. so they can actually have marketing behind them without spending money. Very cool. Wait, so how do you guys get more content? Is it through like from from this point? Is it are you reaching out on Instagram, LinkedIn? Is there a database you can look through? Like how do you approach that? Yeah,、uh, a lot of our films come through personal relationships from、mm-hmm. when I worked in the film industry. Um, there's also a lot of film festivals that we're partnering with, where they are offering to their festival、uh, submitters, the people that get accepted into the festival can have a deal with us.、Oh, very cool.、Um, and also there are some <clears throat> platforms out there that act as a sort of aggregator for films that you can make deals with. Like、mm-hmm. one is called Film Hub, and we've made a deal with them to get a lot of their content. And, and so, so you guys are already like legit. You're already partnered with some of the biggest film festivals out there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How did did you go? Was that also relationships, or did you have to approach like? Because this is a, this is a cool thing for the podcast. Because people partnerships are so huge when you're growing a business. And so, how did you approach these like Sundances and all that kind of stuff? Like, yeah, I mean, Sundance has not replied. Oh yeah, yeah, emails, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, I maybe mean, I shouldn't have said the biggest film、yeah. festival, but like, you know. Yeah, really. Like, I think. Targeting the ones that you think are the right size for you at the、mm-hmm. right time.、Um, so obviously we're not going for the smallest, like super localized festivals,、yeah. but regional, like bigger cities.、Um, those are the ones that we're mostly targeting, and you can usually get in touch with somebody、mm-hmm. there, or you may know somebody who knows somebody. Yeah.、Um, <clears throat> but I think luckily for us, I don't think it's anything special that we did, but. The Kickstarter obviously did a lot to generate some publicity for、mm-hmm. us,、um, and I think the idea matches very well with what film festivals are trying to do. So they're very receptive when we yeah. call. Yeah, no, it, it syncs up perfectly, absolutely.、Yeah. And have filmmakers thus far been super、um, appreciative and like responsive of, of your platform? Or, like, are they just like put me on there right now? Yeah, yeah, like, that's the really encouraging thing. Yeah, is all the filmmakers are like, yes, please. Yeah, I mean, Thank what do、God. they have to lose? Like, do, 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 do they、right. have to pay anything? Or no, 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 we don't charge any submission fees. We don't. All our deals are non-exclusive. You can get out of them at any time、yeah. if Netflix makes you a big offer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, very yeah. cool. And. and That must cost you guys a lot of money for、uh, hosting, right? Like、uh, it, it does cost money. Yeah.、Um, right now we are getting our Amazon、uh, hosting paid for through some some competitions that we've won, like pitch、nice. competitions,、Very、but、cool. also as a veteran you get some benefits through AWS as well.、Nice. So I'm gonna have to bring on my team. I think get some <laughs> some of those benefits. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. No, I know those higher veterans. Yeah, higher veterans. <laughs> Seriously, there you go.、Um, So how'd you go about assembling your team? Like, I, like, and, and who is the team right now? <clears throat> yeah, I didn't have like some master plan of like I'm gonna get this guy and、yeah. this person, but、uh, it really happened organically. The first co-founder I found was、um, <clears throat> his name is Jasper Gray. He's the quintessential guy at the party who knows everyone. Nice.、Um, so he handles a lot of our partnerships and marketing and、mm-hmm. like setting things up. 
and then my brother is conveniently a coder. Nice. So he built some of the platform for us, but we also had an accelerator in Atlanta that really believed in us, and they built um, a lot of the site for us as well. Very cool. Uh, and then we have a UX person that I met while I was working in Europe for a film festival. So it really, it's like all over the place. Yeah, exactly. You just got to... I mean, luckily, I feel like we have really great co-founders, but um, yeah, it happened really organically. Yeah. What was the process in your mind to meet someone and then go, okay, you're going to be a co-founder of my company? Like, what did you... Because I I have technical co-founders, but I haven't really found someone yet that is like going to be my right-hand person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So what made that person stick out in your mind where you're like, this person is going to be like with me throughout the whole company? Yeah. This is something that I was extremely concerned about from the very beginning. And it's not something that usually I would say people condone Mm -hmm. in terms of how VCs look at you. Yeah. uh, Which is, I I talked to people and I said, I'm working on this thing. We would have a few conversations, and I'd be like, I think it'd be cool if you like helped out on the team, uh, but I don't know. Like In LA, everyone's so busy, right? Yeah. And you don't really know how much they're going to commit to your projects. So I was like, let's just work, and we'll figure out the equity later. Yeah, nice. There you go. Uh, and so like, I've just had this like running spreadsheet of like keeping track of like mm-hmm. kind of how much work people are doing Very and cool. how I feel like the equity is shifting as mm-hmm. it's going on. Um, and one co-founder, her name is Kasha, has really shown to like be really valuable yeah. to our team. And obviously her pie is getting bigger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that's a cool way to do it, man. And like, as long as you're like honest and responsible yeah. with it. Because what I did was just kind of like, here's equity, here's equity. And now I'm slowly going like, I'm slowly buying people out and like being like, eh, you probably should yeah. not have been a part of it. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really cool way to do it. I mean... Um, my development companies over in Ukraine I found them really randomly but they have equity in the company and they did a two month trial they were like hey you know for two months we'll build the app for you if you like what we're doing um, you know you don't have to pay us like we're just gonna we're gonna start building it for you if you like what we're doing you'll start paying us and then give us equity and so it was a great relationship and I'm still working with them to this day so nice yeah so if, if you need more coders I got you man Ukrainians are, are good at coding see this is so funny because I started working with them almost two years ago or a year and a half ago now and it was really random I didn't know anyone in Ukraine now I have all these Ukrainian connections <laughs> and everyone I talk to is like dude yeah Ukrainians are like the best coders and I'm like where, where is everyone hearing this from like, I, I, am I spreading this rumor like well, I, one of my co-founders is Polish okay gotcha from Poland and that's next to Ukraine yeah yeah that's the area man yeah. there you go yeah I, I, so I'm learning that every day that they're they're really good so what was a what was a pivotal moment for you in life where you thought that you were not going to be successful or you thought that you were not going to be able to like kind of get to the next step are you, do you mean for filmocracy or just like in life? Even in general, like in, in, in life, maybe in the military, filmocracy, like was there ever a moment where you were just like, this is not going to work out, I'm probably going to have to move back home or... Oh, um, <clears throat> I would say, it's, this is funny, in college, I was a pre-med for okay. the only reason because my mom, nice. I'm Asian. This yeah, is how it works. It's gonna make a uh, joke, but yeah, you, yeah, you made it. So, <laughs> but like, I was not motivated at all to yeah. do pre med. So, I quickly changed my major to psychology because I still wanted to use some of my credits that I had earned, but I didn't want to do pre med anymore. Um, and I really felt directionless. Like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? I don't yeah. want to be a psychologist. Why am I a psychology major? There's nothing I can do with my major. 
And so I saw on campus there was like a career fair. Career fairs seem to have a big impact yeah. on my life. Yeah. And uh, there are guys in flight suits. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I thought that was just for people who don't go to college. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize there was a whole different like officer track. So um, that was probably one of the moments where I realized like maybe this is how my life is going to change, mm-hmm. which it did. But then when I was in the Air Force and then I made that uh, website that I told you about, and that was my other pivotal moment when I was like, hey, this is actually not what I want to do anymore. It's not anymore. the best environment for me, yeah. yeah. Wait, what did you call the website? Uh, it was called therealopr.com, and OPR is Officer Performance Report. Okay. That's like the official Is it still acronym. live to this day? Or? No, God, okay. no. I took it. To, <laughs> I, I was ordered to take it down immediately. God, dude, that's so funny. Yeah, I can see them really not taking that very well. It's yeah. it's probably worse than you're imagining. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with two questions here. So, what is it? What is a two year goal for you, twenty twenty one? Twenty twenty one. I hope that we um, can be, you know, out in the market, having about twenty thousand users would be great. Uh, and the main thing that I hope is just a lot of exposure, so filmmakers really feel like there's someone on their side mm-hmm. who's like waiting to catch them yeah absolutely yeah how, how, how many filmmakers do you want to have in with well let's go within the next year like once you launch a one year plan is there a certain amount of filmmakers you want to have on there Maybe we have 500 now so jeez oh, wow congrats man. that's awesome yeah I think if we can be around like 1500 that would be cool yeah very good that's a solid goal alright so best advice for someone Wanting to start their own venture, start their own business. Nike. Just do it. Nice. Uh, but I would probably start small. Like I, this is probably my fourth thing that I started, mm-hmm. uh, but the only one of like real size and significance. The other yeah. ones were just kind of like side gigs mm-hmm. that I was doing on um, free time. Uh, but those doing those smaller things and slowly building up and learning all the ins and outs of like, financing and marketing and just like getting your feet wet yeah absolutely. Um, that's really important totally agree yeah the stuff i learned in the first couple of years of my app like had i known back then i would have saved tens of thousands of dollars and lots of time so very cool man well appreciate you having it on here and uh anything you want to plug plug the website plug the kickstarter indiegogo or yeah i mean you can uh follow us on facebook at the filmocracy uh or you can check us out our um our domain filmocracy.com forwards to our Indiegogo campaign. So yeah. even if you don't want to back, you can just see a lot of really great information there. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. And you guys have some really good um, UX UI designs. I love the colors. It's so cool. Yeah. So, cool, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming on board. Appreciate it. Boom. Seriously. Thank you all so much for listening. I couldn't be happier with how the podcast has gone so far. I've met some incredible people through this process, had some great interviews, and I just want to thank you for listening. Honestly, um, if you could leave a great review, that'd be awesome. If you could subscribe, that'd be even better. You know, we, we want you uh, listening in every single week. We're going to have episodes every single Monday and Wednesday. I already have a giant episode bank so that no matter what happens, something is always getting published. And, uh, you know, if you want to leave a comment, just let me know what you want to see in the podcast, if you want me to interview different people, ask different questions, maybe have a different theme. I I really don't know. I'm kind of new to this. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and have an awesome day. We strive.